Welcome, everyone, to this special edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast live from Gatlinburg, Tennessee. The Great Smokies. The Great Smoky Mountains. I am one half of your hosting duo. I am Noah Baker. I am the gentleman in the south. I'm in the mountains. Yes. Somehow the internet connection's better here <laughs> than when I'm in Jeffersonville. <laughs> but I digress. I'm here. I'm halfway through vacation. It's been a great time, but the grind never stops. This isn't a job. This is a this is a lifestyle, a passion. Yes. So we're here. The show goes on. The man to my right, to the left side of your screen, Dominic Salee, coming to us from the great state of Ohio. Yes. Dominic, how have things been in my absence in the last few days? Has Ohio gone up in flames, or is everything still holding pat? Everything is still holding pat, Noah. I, I just I know I sent you a picture yesterday. I made a trip to our beloved alma mater, Bowling Green State University, getting stuff ready for graduation. Talons up, that's right. So, man, I'll tell you, that was my first time being there in over a year. The longest I've been away from that place in, what, since 2016, the past six years. So it was a uh, you know, it was, it was emotional. I loved seeing it all again. It was a beautiful day, as it always is, I feel like, when I'm up there. Walked around campus, saw the new business building that I never got to partake in. That's a in. sweet building, isn't it? That's a sick building. Got the shit going like you're on Wall Street on the walls and whatnot. I Pretty know, cool. It's, so, it's very cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, that the clock is ticking for that graduation ceremony here in under a month. And then, uh, but, yeah, so it was emotional. But it was nice. I loved seeing it, taking being with the family up there. So it was great. But other than that, you haven't missed anything here in Ohio. What have I been missing in Tennessee? Because I know you might want to share your lifelong goal with the fans, maybe. Well, you, you know I had to do it to them. <laughs> um, I put a post on Instagram, on my personal Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, by the way. <laughs> yeah, at nice. BAJ underscore MMA podcast. <laughs> You can follow Dominic on Twitter, Instagram at dsley 14 You can follow me, Twitter, Instagram at ntbaker underscore, and I recommend you do so. I put a little post on Instagram. I'm here till Friday, but already an eventful trip. On the drive down, I was feeling a little ballsy. <laughs> put a, put some, put Dropped a few units on a NASCAR race for the first time. Halfway through the race, four of my five drivers I bet on to win we're in first, second, third, and fifth. AKA, I should win some fucking money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I decided to walk away for a little bit because I was like, man, I'm, I'm driving myself crazy watching this race because it's so long and yeah, it's yeah. kind of monotonous. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was enjoying it. It's actually pretty, honestly, I kind of like it. I kind of want to keep watching. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but, um, as my phone's ringing. Sorry if there was a vibration. You're good. But um, basically, um, I come back about a half hour later, and we're at like the last fourth or so of the race. And all of a sudden, none of my drivers are on the, the standings leaderboards. And I'm like, uh, whoa, 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 what happened? Everybody <laughs> yeah. was... Uh, apparently there was like a five, six car pile up and three of my cars were just in that involved. Pile. Yeah. <laughs> so I had one driver left. He kind of falls back to like seventh and yeah. So I lost my ass on a NASCAR race and then followed that up by seeing a bear mm -hmm, mm -hmm. directly outside of my cabin, um, within arm's reach basically. 
It's got to send a couple shivers down your spine, right? And I got and I got to admit, yes, I am that kind of white person. <laughs> I, I see a bear and I'm like, "Let me get a video and get closer." <laughs> yeah. Like you guys know the kind of white person. Yeah, That's right, me. Right, right. Um and I do have a lifetime goal. I've had this for a long time. Me and my stepdad in a drunken stupor some 6 years ago maybe. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. We came. We 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 shook on this this uh, this commitment. I would say this okay. this this choice, this this lifestyle commitment. No, not to MMA, but to pissing on a bear before we die. Right. That that has been a goal of ours. <laughs> now, when I pictured it, I pictured I'd be like two stories up. Yeah. And I could just simply do a little. Like, uh, <laughs> Niagara Falls. Yeah, right over the balcony. Yeah, Onto the bear. I didn't expect the bear to be to where if I had my dick out, it could probably take it with (laughs) You weren't leaving Gatlinburg with a souvenir. The bear's leaving the souvenir. So, needless to say, I got stage fright. And and I had a full bladder and everything. Mm. It was the time. Yeah. And that bear was kind of little. It was mm-hmm. maybe a little bit malnourished. Some would say maybe I was being cruel to even consider pissing on that bear. But <laughs> to those people, I say, stop being a pussy. All right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's the that's the jerky uh, outlet <gasps> that's talking. I, I bought a bunch of jerky. Uh, elk, oh, yeah. Elk, uh, bison, and deer jerky. And uh, I've never had any of the three, as a matter and, of fact. Well, let me tell you, it's pretty good. <clears throat> but it does kind of turn you into like a a right wing nationalist. So just be prepared. Okay. That, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm wearing. I'm wearing. Uh, you, I can't really show you, but I'm wearing uh, uh, camo shorts right now. Oh, nice. Blanked on the term. <laughs> so you know, I'm. I'm just. All, I can't stop watching Tucker Carlson and <laughs> Alex Jones this morning. Just know that the side effects are there. Okay, fair, fair. But that's not what you guys are here for. You guys are here for the MMA weekend preview that belongs to UFC Long Island. Yes. So we're going to Long Island, New York. Dominic infamously said, (laughs) we can get a card in Long Island, but we can't get another card in Ohio. Yeah. No offense to any Long Islanders out there. (laughs) And my only takeaway from that comment was, is it in Long Island or is it on Long Island? And that's a question we still don't know the answer to. I would like someone who lives in or around or on. See my, my dilemma here. <laughs> yeah. Let us know what's the proper term because I'm really curious. Like, do you say I live in Long Island or do I live on Long Island? Since isn't Long Island an uh, island, right? Detached from the country? Am I stupid? <laughs> Am I wrong? If that's not the case, why is it called an island? True, right? Because it's not like, you know, Florida's a peninsula. Three sides, but it is connected. Although I guess Fight Island isn't really an island. Okay, anyway, so the main event of (laughs) UFC Long Island sees one of the better main events on paper that you can probably put on a card like this. Brian T-City Ortega looking to bounce back from his losing effort, but valiant effort at that against Alexander Volkanovsky for the featherweight title back at UFC 266, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. will be going up against Yair Rodriguez, who not too long after lost his return bout. He had been out for like multiple years. 
and he lost in the main event against Max Holloway, also another valiant effort, a guy who really surprised, I think, a lot of people with yeah. how successful he was in that fight, but ultimately comes up on the losing end. So here we are, two guys, two of the top fighters in this featherweight division that we've been talking about so much lately, uh, but both coming off losses. So Dominic, we kind of understand where these two lie in the division, right? It seems like the hierarchy has been made. Volkanovski just seems to be leaps and bounds above the rest of the division, including yeah. these two. I mean, yeah. the win over Ortega was defiant. Yeah. Even though Ortega had those Hail Mary moments that really made it exciting, it was mostly an ass-whooping. Right. Now, Yair Rodriguez not fought the champion, but both these guys have fought Max Holloway, who has lost three times to the champion. Yep. And both have been pretty, you know, one more than the other, been pretty you know, surely beaten. Right. So MMA math a little bit there for sure. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately the hierarchy has been formed. Ortega Rodriguez, number two and number three in the division. But for some people, they don't really feel like that close to the title. But I guess where we'll kind of start is uh, Dominic, uh, the, the word getting around this week is yeah, your Rodriguez <clears throat> has been saying the UFC told him if he wins Saturday, he will be next for Volkanovski's featherweight title. So I'm curious, when you were going into this matchup, is that kind of how you viewed this fight, even with Josh Emmett getting a big win and Volkanovski flirting with going up to lightweight? Did it always feel like the winner of this fight, or I guess if Rodriguez wins this fight, that he would get the next shot? To me, it did feel like if Yair were to win, he would be in front of Josh Emmett. And I know Josh Emmett is somewhere punching air right now after hearing all the interviews this week. <laughs> he's, surely. He's, punch, he's, he's a punching air. I'm just, I'm imagining some dude, like a dude named Kyle with the monster energy hat. Yeah. Just punching the walls. Right, right. So uh, it, it's unfortunate in a sense for Josh Emmett, but I do think the UFC has other plans for him, potentially Arnold Allen. That's been a lot of rumors I feel like I see lately. But Yair, I feel like, would deserve a title shot, dare I say, deserves a, that's a big word to use. And I know like he lost to Max Holloway, but it was a pretty good fight. I think he even won a round or two. Mm-hmm. Um, some people could have even maybe gave him a third, but it obviously was a unanimous decision loss. So um, yeah, it was a good performance there to where I feel like if you do beat Brian and that puts you at number two and it's a fresh matchup for Volkanovsky, uh, you kind of just play the numbers game. And if he's ahead of Josh Emmett, regardless of his win streak, I feel like that's what the UFC would do. I think there's a little bit more behind that fight than a Volkanovski versus Josh Emmett. And um, no, I hate to even put, throw this out into the atmosphere, but we could live in a world where we do see Volk go up and Josh Emmett and Yair fight for an interim belt in the meantime. So maybe they both get a chance, but I, I do agree with the UFC if that is the decision they make. And I think it makes sense for Yair. I think it really does. They've always wanted to push him. And this is the closest they've gotten to getting him to that title fight. That's what should happen, I believe. I would be a little bit annoyed. Mm-hmm. Nah, again, would I be excited? Yeah. Like, you guys have to understand. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Our kind of fandom, like, yeah. look, we're that annoying type fan that will complain about stuff, but we'll still end up buying it anyway. Exactly. So, I mean, so take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But I would be a little annoyed because I feel like Yair, he had that long layoff, right? He comes back. He looks great against Max Holloway, but loses. Mm-hmm. Um, a win over Ortega would be big to get him to bounce back, but I still feel like that's a resume that one more win is needed yeah. before you're in a title fight. 
Josh Emmett has the win streak. He has right. the win streak. He beat a guy in Calvin Cater who had the best performance of his career against Chikadze to start the year. Chikadze, a guy a lot of people were viewing as the one of the next contenders up yep. in this featherweight division. So that win says a lot, even though Cater, of course, you know, had that, that five-round massacre against Max Holloway. But regardless, I felt like Josh Emmett really secured the title fight. I know some people feel like Calvin Cater won that fight. But the judges gave it to Josh Emmett. It was a very close fight. He, I mean, looked good in the fight. Right. I feel like he's earned the title fight. So I kind of would be a little bit annoyed that he would be getting passed up for Yair out of some sort of belief that maybe Yair is uh, more exciting, probably, or more uh, fan-friendly, maybe marketable. uh, Marketable. But I don't feel. I feel like it's pulling hairs between those. Two. Yeah. Josh Emmett, not a boring fighter. Pretty exciting no. fighter. Carries big power. Um, he's he's a. I mean, not that he's going to bring the house down with his uh, ability to talk on the microphone, but he's he's not like afraid to get on a microphone yeah. and talk some shit. He's been doing it at the UFC. Yeah. Lately, um, I just don't really see why you pass him up for a year based off the resumes right now. I understand a win over Ortega is huge for him, but I'm just not exactly uh I don't really feel like that I've I, I liked I value the win streak and the the cater win a little bit more right now. Um but with that being said, Dominic, to kind of bring it back to the fight itself, you know, Brian Ortega is in this fight. He is oh, the yeah. favorite to win this fight right now, minus 165, Yair Rodriguez plus 140. As it stands, these odds come from DraftKings, by the way. Um, For Ortega, coming off of another loss that is just, I mean, it it feels like it's taken time off of his career in some sense. Like, he Mm -hmm. is taking hellacious beatings against Volk and Max at this point. What does Ortega really need to do here to avoid finding himself on the receiving end of a third beating against such a talented and creative striker like Yair Rodriguez? Yeah, that's such a great question, really, even for both guys, because they just are in wars lately. But for Brian Ortega, that is a good question, man, because we saw when in his comeback fight against Korean Zombie, the best version of Ortega we've probably ever seen, at least the most well-rounded version of him we had ever seen. He looked great in the striking. He still looked good um, getting the fight to the mat if he wanted it. Obviously, he didn't get a finish. His but speed was awesome in that Yes, fight. speed was very good, more precise, more technical in that striking. He's very long and rangy. Um, both these guys really similar you know, size-wise, too, when they're going to be on the feet this Saturday. But for Ortega, it's interesting, and I've seen a lot of this be a debate this week in like the betting side of the things and within the MMA community. But uh, obviously, we know Ortega's jiu-jitsu is second to none, probably the best jiu-jitsu in the featherweight division, without a doubt. But he doesn't necessarily utilize takedowns all that much to get people there. So I feel like he's got to ha- shoot some takedowns. Yeah, Yair Rodriguez does not have great takedown defense. He got taken down, I think, three times against Jeremy Stevens. He got taken down a couple times against Max Holloway, even in their last fight. Ortega has to pressure forward, not be afraid to take a couple shots by Yair, because if he gets it to the ground, I mean, it's it's just levels to this game when it's down there. Yair's not showed us anything to where I feel like he could get back up with ease or fend off 
you know, submission attempts from a guy like Ortega. So I feel like he has to get this fight to the ground. Can he strike with Yair? Yes. Can it be competitive? Yes. But over the long haul, if we're going for 25 minutes, I feel like little by little it trickles into Yair's favor. We saw fights in Yair, for example, against like the Korean Zombie. Yes, he was losing, but he's in it the whole time. And then look what happens in the fifth round. He can still knock you out with some creative shit that no one's ever seen before. So if I'm Ortega, man, I don't want to be in any more wars because he's in them all the time these days. I think you want to get in and get out as quick as possible. Easier said than done, but obviously the route has to be on the mat for the easiest success rate, in my opinion. That's my story of this fight is yeah. that I feel like this is a clear, clearly a more stylistic clash than people realize, I think, on paper. Like, I think we we view these two, Ortega and Rodriguez, as two of the best in the division. Yeah. And I feel like most people don't really realize how clear their strengths and weaknesses are, you know. And in this matchup, if it stays standing for a long time, Rodriguez is going to be getting the better of that. Yeah. If it's on the ground for an extended period of time, Ortega has the clear advantage. Like, this, don't get me wrong. In extended periods on the feet, Ortega has had his moments, mm-hmm. but ultimately his he's not a good enough striker to compete with someone like Rodriguez. He can hold up because of his durability, yeah. but ultimately he's taking more shots than he's giving, and most of the shots he's taking are probably harder than the ones he's giving. So he's yeah. losing. It's like a, a slowly sinking ship, right? Yeah, yeah. While Rodriguez has at least... In the Holloway fight, like Holloway's not known for his wrestling. Right. And he got the fight there multiple times. But Rodriguez at least showed a good ability to sprawl, kind of mm-hmm. be very just continuously move on the ground. Don't stay, you know, stationary. Right. Um, but against Ortega, who's so seasoned in uh jujitsu black belt, probably one of the best jujitsu games in the entire company. Yeah. Don't know if that's really gonna be <laughs> you know, where he wants to lie for too long. Now, where do I feel more confident in the fight being fought at? Truthfully, is the feet because Ortega yep, he tends to fall in love with these these wars he's been in. Yeah, even though he's taken the blunt of the blows, he seems to like kind of. I don't know if he has this like like a like a false sense of confidence about how he's doing in the moment, or if he just again he's just kind of loves that shit or whatever. But I, I, he need in order to win this fight, we need a better IQ out of him, a better fight IQ. Yeah. Because, like you're saying, he typically doesn't really go for takedowns to use his jujitsu. A lot of right. times, it's in, you know, I think of uh, the Cub Swanson fight where yeah. he was up against the fence and he just kind of he'll grab it, man. To a team, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I get, and then I guess Volkanovski was kind of a slip, I think, and all of a sudden he was yep. on top and. Uh, here, there will be times for that. I mean, Max, that's kind of how Max even got it there at times. It was like a lot of wild sprawls and mm-hmm. all that. Um, so there's going to be opportunities, I'm sure, for Ortega to take that fight down there and do some damage. But I just worry that, you know, Ortega maybe, I don't know what, what, what goes through his head. I don't know if he's really recognizing how much these wars could be handicapping his future yeah and um because of that what do i feel more confident in is the fight being fought on the feet for the majority but truthfully guys 
I think this is a completely unpredictable fight. It is. It and is. I think a lot of that lies in the fact that you have two guys with clear strengths and just clear weaknesses against the other. Yeah. So it's if for that reason, it adds a lot of intrigue. It's going to be very exciting to watch. I have no doubt this fight's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. But just be prepared that this could be a very quick finish for someone. But what I think is more likely is you're going to see a, a lot of momentum swings. I think yeah. this fight, I actually believe um, this fight goes all five rounds. And uh, someone will get probably a hopefully pretty clear victory, but it's going to come at a price. And yeah. They might not be fighting again the rest of the year. So enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Dominic, any final thoughts on this fight before we move on? I couldn't put it any better, my friend. All right. We got more on this card to come, of course. It's a loaded card. But uh, before that, we got to talk about a little bit of news going on. In the MMA Spear, Dominic Tuesday saw a special edition of the uh, beloved MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. Uh, The big guest for this special edition was Nate Diaz. Nate Mm. Diaz, a man who we have not really seen speak to media in a long time i mean he most of what we hear from him nowadays is through his twitter yes very so it was very interesting i kind of realized that when they announced him i'm like wow that's kind of big like he's not been anywhere yeah but he went on the mma hour and a lot of what you see on his twitter is kind of what he got to (laughs) articulate here uh, among other sound bites he mentioned feeling like the ufc are holding him hostage um, his big goal is ever since he signed his eight fight deal back before the Benson Henderson fight, he said his goal has been to get out of that contract that he just, he wants to be out of it. Um, he's even said that he's not opposed to re-signing with the UFC. He just wants the freedom to make right. his own choice. Um, there was some talk about the Jake Paul, uh, fight, you know, he, he infamously tweeted the clip of Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley. Uh, when he asked for his release one of those times, they talked about the incident of him peeing on the <laughs> PI, his lifetime goal, I guess. Right. You two are very similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, he mentioned the only two fighters in the company that were up to his level, Francis Ngannou, Israel Adesanya, but out of respect because he doesn't want to fight. Right, two. right. Um, Dominic, did you? what was the, any big takeaways from this interview? Ah oh, man, this is Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz. Uh, I think it is great that he was able to come out and kind of get to speak for a while, quite a long interview with Ariel. Um, and you know, when it comes to fighter interviews that relate to this, there's really no one better to get your story out with. And it is just a shame, again, that holding him hostage kind of quote tagline going around because that's really what it has felt like all of these months that we've been talking about what could be next is it going to be Dustin is it going to be him somehow getting a fight with Jake Paul in boxing like it is just like so he's had seven then this next fight is number eight correct that was confirmed right yeah I guess that's so it's just like I get it. The UFC doesn't want one of their biggest names in the sport to just run free and free agency. You know, after this fight, they want to get him to sign another deal before they book him a fight. And I understand it from a business perspective, but it is just, it's hardball. It's dirty. You know, that's the dirty side of this business of the fight game. So it is just a shame that one of the biggest stars that is going to bring in money, going to bring in revenue, going to put asses in seats for the UFC. They're putting that all to the wayside because they want him to be locked in with them that much longer. So it's crazy. We've really never seen anything like it before. And it still just doesn't feel like there's a 
a near end inside. Hopefully by the end of the year, but near. I just, I don't know. I think they keep going back and forth. It is that hardball, that, that, that bad side of the sport that we don't love to really talk about or don't love to kind of acknowledge because it's just, you know, it's no fun. It's the, it's the not fun part yeah. of the sport, right? But at the same time, Dom, I think we're getting to kind of an egregious point here. If if all parties' stories are to True. be believed, and I don't see any reason not to believe Nate Diaz, but – you know, because it doesn't seem like the UFC are very, um, uh, they don't seem to be wanting to comment on it very much. Right. So to me, I have no reason not to take this story at face value. And if that's the case, if he's accepting fights with anybody, including Hamza Chimaev, who for a while there, we thought maybe that was the holdup was that he didn't yeah. want that fight. Um, what are we doing then? Yeah. He's, he's clearly wants a fight. How can you say like you're the promoter, get him a fight. Yeah. And I understand what's going into it. Right. I understand that you don't want to lose one of your biggest stars to potentially, I mean, I don't really understand why they're, why would you be concerned about him boxing Jake Paul? Like that's yeah. Who cares? Who cares yeah. if he goes and boxes Jake Paul? Yeah, well, and Nate Diaz ain't going to a competitor either. He's not going to PFL. He's not going to Bellator. Jake, the moment the moment MMA fans should have stopped caring about the whole Jake Paul versus MMA was when he knocked out Tyron Woodley. He won. Yeah. Look, he knocked out an a former welterweight champion. That says more than him beating Nate Diaz. I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, like, just to be honest, like Nate Diaz is great, and I and I. He said that he's called for fights. Some of the names he threw out there that he asked for. He didn't mention Dustin Poirier, but I'm sure that's one of them. Yeah. Tony Ferguson, Vicente Luque. Um, who else did he say? He said someone else, and now I'm blanking. But, I mean, those are both sick fights, though. Yeah, I you mean, know? those are great fights. And, um, you know, it's just I find it hard to believe that the UFC just can't make it work. I mean, yeah. it feels like there's something else going on here. And it all seems to pinpoint to the fact that he won't re-up on the deal. Like they don't right. want to let him go. And it's just becoming a bit egregious, I think. Like it's it's been over a year since he fought Leon Edwards. Yep. But he's been asking for a fight for at least the last six months. And yeah. if not longer. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of criminal in, in a sense. And I'm at a t- there, you know, for a while there I tried to be kind of like well, guys, it's gonna get. It's gonna something's got to give soon because if, like, I really am shocked it's gone on this long. Yeah. Oh this, yeah. You, this is becoming a big black eye for the UFC, and um, I don't know. They just don't seem to be. They really don't want to give up that leverage at all. Yeah. So. They're in no hurry, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, outside of that though, like this was really Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz. I mean, it's uh. If you read through his Twitter, I mean, that's pretty much what you got in this interview was uh, he said he wants out. I mean, he really stood by everything he's been saying. Yeah. I'm glad he got a platform to kind of speak it. And, uh, you know, hopefully something's got to give because they can't keep him on ice forever. I mean, this is crazy that it's been this long. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know what is always said? It's like we, we are obligated to offer fighters three fights a year. It's up to them if they want to fight or not. And Nate wants to fight from everything we've seen, everything we've heard now, he does want to fight. So it does. When you look at that viewpoint, it is like, how do you not kind of 
well, this is definitely on the UFC. It's it's becoming like more and more obvious at, at this moment. So it, it is it's just crazy. I'd be remiss to ask, was Conor McGregor mentioned at all? Because I did not see anything about Conor. I think it was, uh, I believe it was mentioned. Um, it was asked and Ariel, or in, Nate said they're on different schedules. <laughs> yeah. That um, he, basically he's like, he wants to get up out of here. Connor's not healthy. He's like, and he said something about like, so you want me to like wait around and be used to like build you back up? Like fuck mm. that kind of thing. So that, that's Nate right there. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more with that whole statement. So mm-hmm. let's move on to tidbits, Dom. You gotta love it. A little shakeup in the UFC schedule for the fall. It looks like there's been kind of a madhouse. Yeah. A bit of a scramble, scrambling around the different cards for the fall. Originally, the UFC was planning to have two, 280, number 280 pay-per-view. Uh, on September 24th, the ideal main event, of course, being Stipe versus John Jones. Um, this was kind of out there back in May. I remember seeing some people uh, talk about it. Uh, Nolan King has kind of come out and confirmed a lot of the different um, shakeups here. So now UFC 279 is September 10th. Location to TBA mm-hmm. right now looking like it's going to either be Vegas or Atlanta. Interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing Atlanta get a card. You know, I don't think they've been there since um, Adesanya, Gasolum, Poirier, Holloway. It was Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you're right. Uh, but now UFC 280 will be in Abu Dhabi on October 22nd. So it's kind of a pretty decent gap between uh, pay-per-view events there. That's that's yeah. kind of something that stuck out to me. But um, Dominic, now that Abu Dhabi's officially hosting a pay-per-view come October, did the, I, I guess really just this whole shakeup in general, were there any fights that kind of jumped out to you going, oh, I bet that's the card that's going to go on now? Um, I think there's a thing that immediately correlated when I saw this from Nolan because we also had seen the tweet from Charles Oliveira's manager saying there will be something announced for Charles within the coming days, guys. And this happened yesterday on Tuesday. So maybe by the weekend, going into next week, we see something announced for the lightweight title, Charles Oliveira, and I don't know, but uh, you'd have to imagine if they do it in Abu Dhabi, it seems like the front runner for that location would be an Islam Makachev. I'm but... starting to feel less confident in my conspiracy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So we shall see. But yeah, immediately thoughts like in terms of fights that could be booked. I mean, obviously having Stipe and John there has to be like, oh, so we're getting pretty close to this happening. You know what I mean? So maybe that happens still in the fall. Um, but I'm still a little bit pessimistic in that whole kind of shakeup in the heavyweight division. But yeah, Charles Oliveira, Abu Dhabi against two. That's what came to mind first. Oh, it's going to be Islam Makachev because Volkanovski has the broken hand. Yeah, um, our buddy reminded me. And... I believe that uh, that broken hand is going to be what ultimately makes them decide to go with yeah. Makachev in the title fight. Um, some people will think that that was going to be their decision anyways, but you guys know I, I had my conspiracy. Yes, but, uh, man. Yeah, the broken hand I think has kind of changed maybe some things for them as my leg is continuously falling asleep <laughs> um, but uh yeah that's the big fight that stood out to me potentially like i mean would it be crazy for 
September, like in Atlanta, to be Adesanya Pajera or something? Like, is that too? Ooh. Soon? Yeah, I mean, neither guy that's, took damage, you know? That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, one for, you know, first round knockout reasons, <laughs> yeah. the other for you know, other reasons. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's a fight that kind of stood out because everybody seems so sure that's going to get made. Yeah. And also, I wonder, actually, I didn't even think about this. Was the TJ um, Sterling fight originally announced for that September 24th card? Dude, it was. Yeah, it was, if I'm not mistaken. And We've I talked about that, saying, I think. I remember them saying, I should have looked into that. I didn't even think about it. But I remember them saying it wasn't actually signed yet. Like Sterling yeah. was kind of like saying he wanted to get paid more. So I wonder if that means that fight's not happening as of now. Yeah, and if it is, I mean, I would say that would still that probably wouldn't make the Abu Dhabi card just because both guys fighting out of the no, states it'd here. So be, uh, yeah, Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think of like other titles that are up for grabs that are need to be fought for. That is kind of the only other one I mean, that comes to mind. Carla's not fighting for. Yeah, a while. she's, she's injured. injured. Um, um, Valentina just fought. I mean, Yuri Glover rematch. Yuri announced that he won't. He Glover is yeah. his next. Uh, see, I could see that in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I could so too. maybe. Yeah. So those are some interesting fights throughout there, and of course, Jones Stipe is going to yeah. be like. Yeah. I mean, I, now I feel like that is more. There's a bigger chance that goes to like November for Madison Square Garden. Oh wow, that could be huge. Because you know they want a big fight for that card. Yeah, of Maybe course. that's why they put Nate on ice. Maybe that's what... I don't... Put Nate in uh, Madison Square Garden. They want to wait for that, or I don't know. I'm I'm grasping for straws there. But <laughs> yeah. Just those are some fights that you got to be... And I mean, the truthfully, Diaz Poirier's got to be like on the horizon. I hope so. Yeah. Or Poirier Chandler, you know, whichever. Yeah, yeah. I can only keep saying Nate versus Dustin for so long before I just go nuts. But. I know, I know. The next tidbit, Dominic, Kamaru Usman, this is actually a story kind of dating back to a, a, a couple posts on Instagram from International Fight Week that saw Usman, our welterweight champion, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and Jan Blachowicz, yeah. the number one contender at light heavyweight, facing off yeah. uh, at International Fight Week. Um, it seemed to be respectful enough, just uh, trying to create some buzz maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, Usman has had another chance to speak this week, and he is very adamant that he would like to fight for the light heavyweight title, skip the middleweight division, and simply go up to light heavyweight. So, Dominic, he is the 170-pound champion. Light heavyweight's 205 pounds. That would mean he would be jumping up 35 pounds to potentially become a champ champ. A completely unprecedented move. My question is, are you buying or selling that statement? Um, So you know this, oh, that plays into your storyline that we've discussed off recording. I don't remember if you said it on recording, too, about Kamara's future. I'm going to go... I'm going to go sell. I'm going to go sell. And I know that he wants to skip 185 because Izzy's the champ. I understand that. But... You know, you got to figure, should Izzy lose? And I'm not saying he's going to. But if he loses, Kamara's definitely going to take a 185-pound title shot first before he goes all the way up to 205. I mean, you got to figure the guy, I know Kamara's jacked. He's he's ripped, shredded to the gills. 
but he can't walk around much heavier than like 205 already. You know what I mean? Maybe like 215 or something. And that's probably at the very beginning of camp. I'm not saying he's cutting 40 pounds on fight week. I just, I don't know if that's, he, he's going to be outsized by every guy in that division. I mean, like, especially come fight night. So I, I, I respect it that he wants to try and do this. And I understand him not wanting to get in the way of Izzy. You know, they want to kind of hold on to the Nigerian champs, those two along with Francis and Ganu, not take it away from one another. But yeah, I can't see it. I cannot see him fighting at 205. I don't even know if the UFC would allow it borderline, dare I say. Maybe because they like doing that type of stuff, but I don't know. But it would be historical, first time ever, so we'll see. You probably expect me to say something different. I'm going to sell it as well. Oh, okay. Okay. I believe he's serious about it. Yeah. I think I, I do buy that he wants to do this. He's not just doing it for... Yeah, you know, like I buy yeah. that part. Yeah. I'm selling that this fight is a realistic possibility. Right. Like I just... And I mean, I, it was it was weird enough that it was Blahovich that it, I don't know if that's just because you know we thought Blahovich might get the next title fight, and mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that Jan's the one that got the face off, right? He's not the champion, you know. He's mm-hmm. he could be. He's a former champion. I mean, is yeah. But um, I don't know. I always, that was weird enough. So I'm I I don't know if the UFC would go for it. Mm-hmm. They kind of got burned by Adesanya going up twenty pounds and being true out muscled out out i mean strength for five rounds by blahovich yeah now kamaru's a probably a stronger guy i mean he's got that wrestling base he's yeah. a big dude but um i'm not saying he wouldn't win i just think that um weight classes are there for a reason Right, I think it'd be hard enough for usman to go up to 185 pounds yeah that's 15 now you're jump. talking skipping that weight class and going up 20 more pounds, which just to be clear, guys, this isn't like going from bantamweight to lightweight. Yeah. I mean, the gap between middleweight and light heavyweight is the gap between bantamweight and lightweight. You guys get yeah. what I'm saying? So right. There's a, I mean, this is a third. He's essentially pound. jumping three weight classes. Yeah. You know, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he, I doubt he'd even weigh 205 pounds. It'd be like, is he weighed what what did he weigh for it was like, like 202 or wait he might have been under 200 198 sounds yeah, right because i remember anderson silva fought dc on like one day knows he was like 199 yeah um usually you don't see guys go under 200 yeah. pounds but i don't know if kamaru would weigh 200 pounds i really don't yeah i, I couldn't see it happening but what a f- crazy fight that would be just It'd be so odd unprecedented the size I'm discrepancy. I'm not against seeing it. I mean, again, Kamaru, if he beats Leon Edwards in August, which you guys will see when that preview comes, he's yeah. not talking a lot about Leon right now. He's yeah. talking a lot about other stuff. But yeah. um, if he gets through that matchup, kind of what's next, you know? And I, yeah. I wouldn't mind. I, I would much prefer seeing that than him go box Canelo Alvarez. True. That, that's true. That's true. Um but I feel like the UFC would rather him and Izzy fight than him go up to light. Heavy. Yeah, I know those two wouldn't want to do it, but that's right. big. Like, that's well, yeah, huge. Did you see Ali used to say, Ali Abdelaziz yeah. used to say, oh, they'll fight for the price, you know? Right, so, right. So I don't know. Because he represents Kamaru, but doesn't represent Izzy. Izzy, so, yeah. You know, he, he's 
who knows? But I, I think that you're right. They probably wouldn't do it. But um, Well, dare I say, I even think that him fighting Izzy would still be more realistic than going to 205, regardless of if he wants to do 205 or not. Really, truthfully. If the UFC really saw that much value in the two, and I think they are, they're probably higher right now in Kamaru Usman as a champion, by the way, than Izzy, dare I say well, as well. Let me, let me put it like this. I, I think there's a better chance that the middleweight title picture will be open for Kamaru to take that fight, whether it be because Izzy loses or because he, they, the money's right and they decide yeah. to fight each other. Right. I think that is more realistic yeah. for whichever reason it is than him going to light heavyweight. Yep. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> now let's get into the rest of UFC Long Island, Dom. And we start with the co-main event in the, I believe Straw Strawweight, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michelle Waterson still ranked in the top 10 of the division, number 10, holding on, though, for dear life against Amanda mm-hmm. Lemoche, coming off her first uh, main event in the UFC in disappointing fashion, first-round submission loss to Jessica Andrade, but she comes in at number 11. Um, this is a... Oh, you just got muted. I, pressed, I, know, I, pressed <laughs> I, was... I went, uh... <laughs> I, thought you, I thought I lost him right there, the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. Press my mute button. Um, when I look at this fight, Amanda Lemosh, I still am not sure like how good she really I is. I know, man. Because the age is definitely a concerning factor for me. Yeah. If she was like 10 years younger, I would be like, oh, she's just getting better and better right. each time out. Right. And I still feel like she is. She looked good in the early exchanges against yes. Andrade. Yeah. She just kind of got caught. Got her in head a, caught in a... First uh, ever. For a standing uh, guillotine, right? Standing arm triangle against oh, the fence. Right. It was a standing arm triangle. That's right. That's right. Um, but, you know, that did happen. She did lose in the first round. So I still feel like she's got a lot of holes to work out. But I like the feels like the the talent's there. Yeah. It's just like she needs more time to keep improving, but she's like 37 years old. So how much time does she have? Well, Michelle Waterson is who she is. Yeah. If anything, she's kind of on the, the downswing at this point. I mean, she's a former Invicta Atomweight champion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done very well for herself in the UFC, in the strawweight division. Been a mainstay at multiple main events. Yeah. Has looked very good at times. But also, Dom has had some very just kind of deflating performances as well. Um, She is coming off of a loss to Marina Rodriguez, right, at 125 pounds. So it's been over a year since we've seen her. Yeah. Um, I think there is room to question where her commitment is to MMA anymore. Um, I think that she kind of feels like someone who might have one foot in, one foot out. While Amanda Lamosh, I still believe, is truly Mm -hmm. full steam ahead uh, looking to uh, continue trying to improve and maybe even make some sort of statement in, in terms of like the title picture. Uh, that's why I feel like Lamosh is kind of the, I feel like that's why she's a big favorite here and why um, a lot of people may be favoring her in general, but uh, Michelle Waterson definitely got the experience advantage, definitely got like has fought better competition. Yeah. So it's an interesting fight. It is. It'll be interesting how it plays out both. It's going to be on the feet. I would have to imagine all day. Michelle does have good grappling. She doesn't use it all the time, but when she does, it looks good. But, you know, Amanda comes forward. She pressures. She hits hard. 
Michelle keeps her distance, uses her kind of karate kicks to keep the distance away. So I'll be interested to see how Amanda kind of attacks this because it is a different type of fight for her. But yeah, I mean, she's a, a massive favorite. She's the biggest favorite on the card, which is a, wow. I guess, a little surprising. She's like minus three fifteen. Surprising, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, someone's got to stay and someone's got to go this out might of the be top. A hot two. take, but based off what you just said, I actually think that uh, I think there's a better chance Waterson goes for takedowns than tries to stand and strike. I think that'd be definitely the smarter approach. And two, you know, Michelle has a much better gas tank from what we've seen historically than what Amanda does as well. So. We'll see. It yeah, could be it interesting. Would, it wouldn't surprise me if Watterson gets a win here. No, I wouldn't be would that just, But it would basically, in my head, answer, okay, she's still committed to the right. game. You know? Right. I just think that the layoffs and, you know, I don't know. She just sort of comes off to me as someone who has done her best already. Yeah, and, and fallen short, too. a couple checks before she sort of walks away. That's sort of what it kind of comes off to me as, but... I could be completely proven wrong, and this mm-hmm. would be the matchup to do it, co-main event. You know? Yep, yep. Uh, following that, Lee Jingliang. We haven't seen him since Abu Dhabi, where he got picked up by Hamza Chimaev, taken across the ring. Uh, Dana White, or Hamza talking to Dana White. Yeah. Hamza smacks him on the ass. I don't know. <laughs> he got choked out. Uh, did, wasn't able to land a single shot, basically. Uh, but he's still ranked number 14 at welterweight. Looking for a big bounce back. Last time we saw him, actually, was the press conference for UFC 273. Oh, yeah. Tom's out of question. He showed up. So True. Uh, shout out to the Leech for that. But he has taken on – this is an interesting fight, too. In some ways, you could almost copy and paste what I said in the co-main event for this fight. Muslim Salikov, who is a dangerous opponent for sure. But again, Dom, if he was like 10 years younger, I'd be like looking at this guy as like a real threat. Yeah. To the top of the division. But he's like 37. 38, yeah. Four yeah. years older than the Leech. Yeah, so he is, I mean, a very, very high-level opponent. Yeah. A guy that's unranked, that's dangerous. But um, that that's really the battle here is Li Jingliang has powerful hands, really just powerful striking, and he's going to look to really use his strength and use that, that those power in his shots to kind of put away Salikov while Salikov's going to look to really take the leech into deep waters and drown him. That's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. And I almost just wonder too, like Salikov does have good grappling, but he loves to strike. He's got 12 knockouts, but does he want to strike with Li Jingliang? I don't know. This is one that I could see someone getting clean clocked real quick in the first round, or it could be a relatively lackluster, you know, kind of drown him out decision. I don't know how it's going to play out. So we'll see. Next one at flyweight, Matt Schnell, number eight in the division, taking on Sumo Dureji at number 12. Uh, one of my favorite fighters in the flyweight division being Sue. I like Matt Schnell too. You know, I, I've infamously you guys go called, back away. Infamously yeah. called him Max Schnell the first time we previewed him, which is a character from Cars. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like freaked out on the podcast. It was a whole thing. I like thought that the for some reason Google was showing a car's character before a fighter, but it yeah. I had his name wrong. It's 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 good stuff. But I like Matt Schnell. <laughs> I do. He's but he's also a guy who has um he's either showing us a lot or he's kind of getting clean clocked and finished very quickly. Like he, yeah. he has really been used as a stepping stone a lot in his career. 
So now he's going up against a guy who's ready to make that jump, in yeah. my opinion. Sue, very young, very talented fighter, comes from China. So what good. Is it, is it South Korea? I can't remember now. I'll find but it. He, um, but he's so talented, so long, so big for this division. Um, it's an uphill battle for Matt Schnell, but I respect him for taking the fight because Sue's been out for a while, Dom. He's been out for a while, yeah. but he does have the power to put away someone like Matt Schnell who has been a bit chinny. But we'll see if, when it comes to the grappling, if Matt Schnell's able to take this fight to the ground, I think he could kind of bully Sue for the majority of the 15 minutes. Yeah, Sue from China, by the way. No, hit the nail on the head there. But yeah, I actually love that you just brought up the grappling to finish your point. All four of Sue Matarezzi's losses by submission victory. Matt Schnell has eight submission wins in his career. I know he can kind of like to stand and trade. I always go back to that fight with him and Tyson Nam for whatever reason. It was just a fun fight. A fight. But but Matt Schnell is very good on the ground. You know, don't even let the submission loss to Brandon Roy Val fool you. So if he does get it there, Sue is shown to be uncomfortable. It, it's it's a really good fight because Sue, a complete opposite, 13 knockouts out of 16 yeah. victories. It's going to be fun. It ain't going the distance, folks. Yeah, that's how I, I, I definitely don't think that fight's going the distance. Yeah. And I think Sue is he's improving each time out, but still very green in certain areas, like yeah. his submission defense, obviously. Right, right. Uh, next up, <laughs> Hurricane Shane Burgos taking on Charles and <sighs> Jordan. A couple of really fun nicknames there. Um, these are two guys that always put on fun fights, right? Shane Burgos, yeah. Charles Jordan. This fight's going to be fireworks. Dominic, how do you think it goes? Yeah, th- there's there's the main event, Ortega Rodriguez, which is awesome. But then there's two people's main events. And this is one of the two right here. Shane Burgos, Charles Jordan. They're going to stand. They're going to bang, and it is going to be fun. These two love to scrap and throw down. Hurricane Shane, man, got to be still super underrated as a skill set as a whole because I feel like people just respect him for going in there and being in wars. The dude's 14-3, and 7-3 and three in the UFC. He's got five knockouts, five subs, and a few decisions. The guy can do it everywhere. It, actually, his most recent finish win in the UFC was a submission and not a knockout. So the guy is in fun fights. He's entertaining. He's number 14, Charles Jordan, only 26 years old, but we've seen a lot of him in a short time in the UFC. Wins, losses, but lately has looked to be putting it together a little bit more. He's won two in a row, um, and he's coming off the best performance probably of his career. The reach difference is the biggest thing to me because I know these two are going to strike. Shane Burgess has a six-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. So I think... I think, truthfully, when they get in the cage Saturday, and honestly, even like Friday for like weigh-ins, but when they are next to each other, I think Burgos is going to be like significantly larger. And I think that could play the factor overall over the course of three rounds because Burgos ain't going away. And I'm not saying Jordan will, but I think the power and the output will just wear a bit more than what Charles can do to Shane. I, it's such a sick fight, though, because if Charles wins, he's right into the top 15 after this kind of crazy ride that he's had in the UFC. So this is such a sick fight, man. Yeah, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth in a lot of ways. Um, I, too, highly value Shane Burgos. He is criminally underrated. Yes. And it's because, I mean, a lot of his losses have been on big stages. You know, the Barboza loss was on one of the best fights of the year. And And it it was was, weird, too. He had the weird (laughs) knockout, you know. He lost in the co-main spot and another fight of the year contender with Josh Emmett. Yeah. But that was a fight that kind of propelled Josh Emmett to 
what he's yeah. doing now, fighting in main events and whatnot. So, and his only uh, other loss is Calvin Cater. Yeah, I mean that, that's his yeah. three losses, though. You know. Yeah, I mean that does say a lot about the quality of competition. I'll put it like this, and I think Charles Jordan's great too. He's been one of my favorite unranked fighters to watch. Every yeah. time he's on a card, you know it's going to be a good fight. It would it would show me something I've yet to see from Charles Jordan if he's ready for Shane Burgos. Yeah, yeah. As good as I think Charles Jordan is, I don't think he's ready for this yet. Yeah, we we not may that just he won't, not that he won't ever be ready for top fifteen, mm-hmm. but Shane Burgos is a buzzsaw to be welcoming you to the top fifteen. And uh, matchup wise, I I think you're right. I didn't know about the reach advantage. I I don't have as much notes in front of me as I normally do. I apologize for that uh, to the fans. But you're out in the mo- you know, the Smokies. I'm, I'm out in the wilderness. There's no <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no note taken out here. Right. right so right. Um, all in all, though, I I would even if I didn't know about the reach advantage or if that wasn't an issue i still just feel like burgos carries more power in general and, yeah uh, yeah you're right it, i think it'll wear on him a lot quicker than vice versa right right um last one on the main card this is a i mean six fight main card it's so good late addition to the main card because it got moved around lauren murphy number three ranked women's flyweight welcoming former strawweight champion misha tate to the flyweight division, she is currently ranked number ten at strawweight. Bantamweight. So Dominic, or sorry, bantamweight. What am I? I put on here straw. That's why. <laughs> You're good. Sorry. <laughs> um, former bantamweight champion. She's currently ranked number ten at bantamweight. Yeah. Misha Tate going down a weight class. We've already talked about this fight, but my question for you: We didn't realize, <laughs> Dom, how differently we kind of feel about this. Yeah. Fight yeah. So I'm curious. I want you to kind of defend, defend your viewpoint. Like, what makes this such a um, winnable fight for Misha Tate, in your opinion? Yeah, really. I guess it's more so just because I feel like Lauren got to that title fight. That's what she campaigned for. She finally got it. She put together those five wins in a row. Got pummeled by Valentina, which is not a slight because everyone seemingly. Not everyone. There's been a couple closer ones, but you get the point. Yeah. Everyone loses to Valentino. I'll put it that way at flyweight. So, you know, and I think, you know, the odds going into this as it scrolls around the bottom right there, Misha Tate coming into this at minus 205. A bit surprised that she is a two-to-one dog. I At the beginning of the week, she was minus 170. There's a lot of money coming in on her right now, and that could be name value too. But I just feel like, again, back to Lauren, I feel like she's kind of just felt like she's done it all. Maybe she realizes, all right, I'm 38. I'm probably not going to beat Valentina. So what else is there for me to do? And now she's welcoming Misha Tate, so it would be a huge win for her name value-wise to beat her. But really, there's just not much upside to getting this victory. And I just, I do think Misha, with this new physique, looked good, obviously, in her comeback against Marion Renault. The fight with Ketlin Vieira was a bit weird. They stood and struck ah, for five but rounds. And- but you loved it. I did enjoy the fight. I didn't think it was a bad fight, uh, but it's not what I wanted to see for Misha. And I did score the fight for Misha on the night, by the way. I could probably watch that back right now and think I'm an idiot. But that's how I scored it the night of. And I won't be going back to watch it either. But (laughs) Misha now coming down to 125. I feel like it won't be a tough weight cut. I feel like she's always kind of been more of a 125er anyway with her physique. She's never been a big 135er. So I do believe that she can find success here. At 35, the clock is ticking. I just think everywhere, though, that Misha's just the better fighter, simply. So while I may not agree with a minus 205 line, 
I do feel like nine times out of ten, Misha wins this fight. Wow. 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 Yeah. Such a statement. Yeah. I think here's what I think, and I'm not saying this to like put a knock on you. This is just for banter, right? Of you course. Know? Um I think you're viewing that through the lens of a twenty sixteen Misha Tate. That could I be. Think, I think that uh the Misha Tate name, the Misha Tate that we think of, would definitely beat this Lauren Murphy most times out of 10. And she still might. She still might run right through her. But I think off the two fights we've seen in the UFC in her comeback, nothing has told me that she is the same fighter. The Marion Renault fight was a good performance, but it was against a 42, right. 44-year-old. Yeah, retiring, yeah. losing streak. Who yeah. really was not even an active fighter to begin with. Yeah. And um, she followed that up with one of the worst main events of the year, in my opinion, in a fight that I just hated with her and Ketlin Vieira, where her striking looked Quite frankly, terrible. And so did Ketlin Vieira's. But I thought yeah. Ketlin did enough to win. Um, and I thought the IQ in that fight was off. Like That so I many, definitely so many agree with. times I felt like she should have been yeah. you know, doing something different. Because I thought she was clearly getting... Like the, the blows that were landing on her were hurting her more than right. she was landing on Ketlin. Right. And there was no evolution in the performance there. Um, here she's going down a weight class, which... I guess it's to her benefit. Like, I guess that's, I do agree with you that she's never seemed to be like a big bantamweight. So, mm -hmm. um, F flyweight might be more fitting, but I still think going down a weight class, it's, it's uncharted territory. Yep. She's going up against someone who I know I've had my, my, my takes on Lauren Murphy, but she is a consistent yeah. fighter. She has consistently shown up. She's been active. And she's pretty solid everywhere to the point where I think that uh, this is a big challenge for Misha Tate. I really do. And now I know Misha Tate has – there's big aspirations. Misha Tate comes in here and wins. She's probably looking at a title fight for Valentina. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't know if Misha Tate is really fighting at a championship level anymore. Mm-hmm. And even a win over Lauren Murphy doesn't necessarily say she's at a championship level. Yeah. I know how we all view her getting a title fight with Valentina as being kind of like, oof, uh, good luck. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Lauren, or I think Misha Tate just still really needs to show us that she's some of, some, some of that she carried back in 2016, 2015, 2014. I yeah. think a lot of it's been lost in translation over the years off. Fair. Completely fair. Last one. This is the best. I mean, this might be the people's. This is the people's main event. Yeah. This is the other one I was mentioning. Or not mentioning, but I played around yeah. with it. I mean, I this, mean is, this should be the co-main event of the whole card. It, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. on the prelims. Ricky Simone Criminal. Taking on Jack Shore, number 13 versus number 14 in a talent stack bandweight division. These are two of the most promising yeah. young fighters in the division. But Dominic, Jack Shore undefeated. Ricky Simone has had his shortcomings in the UFC. He had that quick knockout loss to Uriah Faber. Back what a weird one that is. Such yeah. a weird one. <laughs> so he's a guy that's been kind of trialed by fire yeah. in the UFC. He's really had to earn his keep. And not yeah. that Jack Shore hasn't, but um, Jack Shore just undefeated. Hasn't really had those kind of tests yet. Uh, I think the closest one being his last fight, uh, which was a pretty close fight, um, 
Tamir Valiev. Yes, thank you, Tamir Valiev. So, in this matchup, you get a guy who has fought some of the best fighters in the division. Right? Yeah. Definitely fought, been tested more. Yeah. Uh, more battle-proven, maybe, but has had his shortcomings. While you got a guy who has yet to show us much blemishes at all, but against mostly lower-level competition. So, kind of where do you sort of feel this fight's going to go? Who's going to have the advantage where? Kind of how are you viewing this fight? Yeah, this is on the feet. Jack Shore, all around the better striker. More precise, more technical, more methodical in which the way he moves. Ricky Simone, more power. More little, you know, oomph in those shots that he throws. You can just see what he did to Rafael Sunsau. I get it. Rafael on the way out, older, back half of the division, yada, yada, yada. Regardless, it's still a good win and to do that in that fashion because Ricky had never showed that before. So the threat is there for Ricky on the feet, but all in all, it goes to Jack Shore. Wrestling? It's Ricky Simone all day in terms of the power, the explosiveness, getting the takedowns. But on the mat itself with the grappling, Jack Shore's pretty damn good down there too. Jack Shore's just so good everywhere. In every fight we've seen him, he does something that I'm just like, holy shit, this is the, this is what the future of MMA looks like. This kid right here, that's the way that he fights. He's just, His fight IQ is insanely um, smart. And Ricky Simone, great fight IQ as well. And the last kind of piece and story of this fight is the competition that Noah mentioned because Ricky Simone's been in there with killers. He's beaten Marab Valishvili. He's beaten Brian Kelleher, you know, Ray Borg, Rafael Sunsau, on and on. Lost to Rob Font, lost to Uri Faber. Still, that Faber one's weird. But uh, that was a main event in Sacramento, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Was co- it? I think it was the co-main. Co-main event? Yeah, Patriot you know Zant was a main event? event. No, the main event was... Uh... Jermaine Duran to me, Aspen Ladd, when Aspen Ladd got knocked out in like 16 seconds. No shit, really. That was the main event. So they were really trying to prop up Ricky, wow. or Ricky Simone and Aspen Ladd. Yeah, and both got finished and a couple very quickly. Later, they're still trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I love this fight. And I, guys, we're not getting to discuss betting on today's show just because of the scheduling. It's not all kind of done yet, but I'm just letting everybody know. I love Jack Shore, but I love Ricky Simone, and I've been war ricky so i will be taking him as a money line play right now he sits at plus 140 maybe when the bets go in he's a little bit higher than that but i think this is a sick fight it's high level it shows you how deep the bantamweight division is the future of this division there's not one single complaint i have about the fight but it should be the co-main event the card placement makes zero sense it's unfortunate if you're going to the card in long island get there for the prelims and sit tight because this fight is like the third or fourth fight on the whole card I appreciate that you were able to break down this fight so eloquently with like who you feel kind of as an advantage where, because I really don't know. Like I, I, I struggle to know and I'll put it like this. I feel like Jack's shore has the higher ceiling of these two fighters. Admittedly. Yeah. That's just how I feel. I think Ricky Simone's great, but I don't see Ricky Simone going too much higher in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, like, I don't ever see him competing for a belt. Jack Shore, I see as being a future champion, potentially. Okay, yeah. So that's kind of why, but but that doesn't mean that Ricky Simone should be, like, a heavy underdog or something. Right, like, right now, it's a lot closer than that. Yeah. Um, Ricky Simone, a more finished product than Jack Shore is. But it would not surprise me, Dom, if Jack Shore came in here it was just kind of like what Sedjukov did last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ronnie Lawrence was going to have like a big advantage and 
grappling, and all of a sudden Kakramanov like dominated him there. That is such minutes. a good comparison, actually. Like, I feel like Jack Shore is totally capable of coming in here and beating Ricky Simone everywhere the fight goes. Mm-hmm. But if you flipped that and said Ricky Simone would do that to Jack Shore, I'd be shocked. I'd be yeah. shocked. So yeah. I do think Ricky has his his on paper advantages. The power is definitely something that he will possess. But more importantly, he should possess a wrestling advantage. Yeah. I'm just not so confident that's how it's going to play out because I'm so confident that Jack Shore he's, is the guy. He's so good. That, that uh, it, it could end up being a tough night for Ricky. But this fight's going to really tell us a lot about where, maybe how far Ricky can really go. Mm-hmm. And maybe more more so it's going to answer how far along is Jack Shore. Yeah, where is he right now? Yeah, yeah. 100%. So that's all for UFC Long Island. Uh, as Dominic just kind of mentioned, no below-average bet slip for today. Uh, we're recording this a little earlier than we usually do on Wednesday, and so a lot of lines aren't out yet, a lot yeah. of prop bets and stuff. So we will still post it on our below-average Joe's Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're following us there right. if you want to get the picks. But it will probably come out, what, Friday? It'll still be out Friday, just no breakdown to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably still play some bets either later today or tomorrow. But just know that's why we're not talking about it on today's show. Um, But with that, Dom, we only end this show one way. Yes. And that's with the closing statements, the part of the show where me and Dominic can get anything and everything off our chest, whether it be about MMA or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this July 14th? edition of the show hmm i was trying to think of some but really any material i had i probably kind of got rid of at the beginning so i i think i'm going nothing today for closing statements unfortunately i kind of feel somewhat similar yeah we had can intro I talk, statements can I talk about how much i love seafood by the way <laughs> please do please do i mean shrimp i went to bubba gumps oh yeah yeah. Wait, do I have my hat near? But no, I bought a I bought a sun visor. Bubba Gump. Oh, sure that should have been on the whole visor. episode. It's on the Instagram post if you want to. We wear it for Sunday's recap. Yeah, there, there we go. So, um, Bubba Gump's is fantastic. It is. It so is. I I've been really into like Cajun style mm. shrimp is like the thing for me right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I had there. Fantastic. Uh, I really now I really want to go to like a southern, either shrimp or crawfish boil. Ooh, crawfish! I they use freak me out a little bit. Really? Crawfish, yeah, yeah. But have you ever heard of like a boil? Oh yeah, like, oh know, yeah. That looks so good. Mm-hmm. I want to go to like like I'm talking go to some hick like, <laughs> in the wilderness yeah. place and yeah. have him do it from scratch. Like that's that's what I want now. So that's the new goal. Peeing on the bear failed. Right. Attending a potentially serial killers <laughs> shrimp boil. Yeah. Next on the list. Next on the list. Nice. Yeah. But I'm no baker. <laughs> That's Dominic Salee. We're the below average Joe's, and we'll see you guys on Monday. Yes.